All right, good morning. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. This morning, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2. While you're turning there, the uh, baby, bi- baby bottle f- uh, funding is going to start here. This is for the source, our crisis pregnancy center here in Maryville. Um, I'm on the board of that organization and... Uh, and uh, Debbie Hill is one of the servants there at that place, and she's brought these by for us to get started. Starts Mother's Day, convenient enough, smart enough anyway, and then fill it up with change is the idea. And then when you're done, you sign out the bottle, and when you bring it back, cross your name off. That way we know it's been returned, because we reuse all of these. So if you're not going to use it, don't, don't take one, that no harm, no foul. But if you are, you know, uh, bring it back, cross your name off. Um, I think June 18th is what I read on there is the return date. Uh, have it back by then. It's all written on the board there. If I've got my dates wrong, don't hold me to that. Um, anyway, fill it up and bring it back, and it helps fund the, the source and meet the needs of, of these ladies coming in and, and some guys. We do a lot of education uh, in the schools. They let us in to do that and uh, um, on, a, well, on a range of topics, um, but all geared towards life. And so, um, Anyway, that's what's going on. Those are out there. Be f- feel free to grab one, and, and it's like a little slot there. So don't use it like a real one. It's like a dribble glass then and come right out. But it's a little slot there for your coins. And uh, no mounted. Well, I could try that. That's a good idea. Uh, speaking of, um, and as a board member, you know, quarters are better than pennies. But I don't want to hold you to that. You know, throw whatever you got in there, but quarters are better than pennies. And checks fit in there, too. They do. They're <laughs> nice, and they fit along the sides. They take up no space at all. So, um, honestly, it's all, it's, uh, we take no government funds. We get some grants once in a while, rarely. Um, but it's all donations. That's the only way that place stays open. And uh, it is a lean time right now. Um, as it is in every nonprofit, don't mean to, everybody's that way. Everybody's that way. Um, it's always seems to be lean. Um, um, anyway, but if this is important to you, if it's one of those ministries you feel like you need to support, like God's stirring you in that area, anyway, this is for you. This is an opportunity for you to do that. So that, those are back there. All right. Mother's Day. What an amazing uh, time. Although probably created by Hallmark. What a, well, I think it's... I still think if they hadn't done it, we should have done it a long time before they started it, whoever started it. Um, What an amazing office of ministry being a mother is. Amazing. That's when it started? How do you know that stuff, Kathy? That's Okay. Let's start over. 1911, Mother's Day was invented when it should have been done in... 11. <laughs> Just 11, right? Long time ago. And so today I wanted to take that time and, and follow um, really the only example of a mother we have going from birth to death of a child and to her, um, um, and that's Mary. And uh, I want to follow her through this. Um, and, and although every um, mother is called, and there, it's a unique experience for each mom, um, there are some similarities, obviously. And so I want to hit on those. And, and it, these may not all fit uh, you or your walk and your ministry to your children, um, but some of them will. I'm sure of it. Some of them will. Um, anyway, 
I told you Luke 2, it's actually Luke 1. Um, that's where we're going to be. It's an amazing office uh, of ministry. It's, it's, I would say, the most important office of ministry that we have, um, that God's ever given us. There is fatherhood, very important, and we'll talk about that in June. Um, there's also um, being a pastor. There's also being a, uh, a wife. There's all, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a host of these things, a Sunday school teacher or a, um, whatever. But I think motherhood is the fabric and the, and the base um, of all these ministries. And so I wanted to spend some time on that this morning, how important this is and how appreciative we are of you um, in the ministry that you're called to. And it's a thankless one, um, but you don't do it for that. Verse, uh, actually chapter 1, really in verse 38, um, it says this about Mary. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What the angel had shared with her is that she was going to be the mother of the child of God. She was going to bear this child. She was going to raise this child. Um, it wasn't going to be easy. He doesn't give her all that information, but doesn't tell her, does tell her the importance of it. Does tell her ahead of time. And Mary's response is a wonderful response. Let it be. She accepts it. She accepts this role of being a mother. The important role of raising this child, not even knowing what does this mean. I mean, she's probably seen several other mothers. She's experienced her own mother. But how different would it be to be the mother of the Savior? And what's that going to look like? And I would imagine there's there's some differences, but a lot of similarities. A lot of things that any mother would go through, she went through. But she accepts this calling. She accepts it in her heart that this is what God's asked me to do. This is what God called me to do. It's not a sideline. It's not something in the way of the rest of my life. It is the thing God wants me to do. It's so important. It's primary in my life. It's the most important. There are other things to do. There's other things that could replace it. There's other things that could supplant it, but it's not supposed to be that way. She accepts it. This is what I want I want to be the maidservant to the Lord. I want to do this ministry with which you've called me to. And that's an accepting thing that every mother has to go through. I accept this. Difficult. Difficult. But she accepts it. It's a burden. It's a joy, no doubt. Not a burden like I have to, but a burden like this is going to be a ride. (laughs) Especially for Mary. But this is going to be a ride of all rides. Knowing all that, she accepts this burden from God and says, you bet. If this is what God wants me to do, this is what I want to do. She says as much in verse 46, we'll continue on, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And that was after she had come into contact with um, 
her uh, cousin Elizabeth and found out that she was with child also. She's excited. This uh, child, whoever it would be, would be blessed anyway, being in the presence of this kind of woman, this kind of mother who knows the Lord, who praises the Lord, who gives God credit and glory for all that he's done in her life with humility. Mary does it with humility. What a, what a beautiful thing to see in a mother. That humility, but that uh, unashamed worship of her creator and her God and her father in heaven. She knows his word. See, a, a mother is going to be the evangelist of the family, to be honest with you. The dad will do his part, but the child's going to hear the word of God whispered in their ear from their mom more often than the dad, more than likely. That's usually how it goes anyway. And this mother knows God's word. She puts together 11 different scriptures and strings them together for a praise song. She writes herself a little psalm on the spot. you know. And she will whisper these things in Jesus' ears as well. Not that Jesus needed to learn it. Don't misunderstand me. Like I said, raising Jesus would be a different deal, wouldn't it? But I bet he smiled just as much as any other child would smile as he looks into his sweet, innocent, tender mother's face and hears God's word whispered in his ear or her ear. Amazing. Mothers are amazing. The next section of Scripture I want to turn to now is just the next page over in chapter 2. Mary's had Jesus in the manger or in the stable and placed him in the manger and the angels have come and shared everything with the shepherds and the shepherds have come and found where Mary was. It says in verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they went and made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning the child. And here's the most important part, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You'll see that a couple times in Luke's account. But the mother keeps these things in her heart, sees the things in a child, sees a direction in the child, hears from God even on that child. A word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a scripture. She'll write down the name beside it. She'll remember, she'll know. And she'll keep these things in her heart because they're not going to come to pass today, but they will come to pass someday. And she knows that and she watches that. Mary kept all these things in her heart. She's going to keep a couple other things in her heart too that are going to happen in about seven days. Simeon's going to meet them at the temple when they come in to dedicate this child, as they should do. Mary and Joseph take the baby, mom's carrying Jesus, and they're going to go in and do what they do, circumcise him on the eighth day, following God's will. Just normal stuff that you do. Nothing special here. This is just what it means to follow God. And they run into Simeon, a prophet, and he sees Jesus coming and says this, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He also says that a sword's going to pierce through your own soul, Mary. A lot of great things were said about her child, but she also understood it isn't always a wonderful experience. It isn't always seeing your child like today, go across the stage to pick up their diploma. It isn't always that kind of day. And he warns her, yeah, there are going to be great days. 
there's also going to be very, very difficult days where that motherhood becomes a burden. Because if you weren't that person's mother, you wouldn't feel so deeply about what's taking place in that person's life. It's so hard, so difficult for you mothers. I think more so than dads, to be honest with you. I love my kids, but Jenny's depth for the kids, as much as I think I love them deeply, and I do, it's deep. I mean, it runs deep. They've been connected, obviously, and only separated by someone else's choice, not theirs, with the umbilical cord and all. And that, that bond, I don't believe, ever, ever, ever goes away. Ever. You can cut the cord. They can leave the house. But it never changes. You feel very deeply about everything that takes place in that person's life. Dads do too. But I don't think to the same degree. Maybe. Maybe. So a, pierce, a sword's going to pierce you. He also, she also runs into Anna. This is another thing she's going to keep in her heart. Anna says, um, as she was there in the temple, um, 88 years old, and, um, and, and said, uh, and coming in in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to, of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She was a prophetess who had stayed there, and she saw this baby and um, was amazed as well. Um, at him, and she keeps these things in her heart. Mary understands that. Yeah, I, I know from the angel that Jesus was going to be special. I've also had encounters with shepherds at one point, and now seven days later, I run into two more people that tell me great things are going to come from this baby. Probably didn't have to tell her that as a mom. Jewish moms are really good at saying, "Yeah, my son's going to be everything, <laughs> and going to do everything and do everything perfectly." They're very good at that. I think we are too. Don't mean to pick on. Us that aren't Jewish, Gentiles, feel the same way about their kids. We're for them, we root for them, we're their cheerleaders, we're their coaches. Um, But no one better to have in your corner than your mom. And Anna and Simeon and these shepherds all tell her things that were probably already there, but she keeps these things in her heart. She begins to get the idea that others recognize the greatness of her son. There's others outside of her, outside of her knowledge, that know how great her son's going to be. And it's a great time when you hear other people say great things about your kids, isn't it? You were just sharing with me about that. That's a good feeling. I've known that all along, you know, about him. But it's nice to see other people begin to appreciate that heart that I've seen from birth, you know. And so Mary gets to experience that here. The third scripture is in 41 here, same chapter, verse 41. His parents, Joseph and Mary, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposed him to have been in the company They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at the understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I, have sought you anxiously. 
And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was, uh, and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Um, that's a little different than losing them at Walmart for a few minutes, isn't it? One day later, you think he's spending the night at the cousin's house. I thought he was with Aunt So-and-so. I thought he was with John, or whoever they were traveling with at the time. Big company of people to the point where you don't know where your kids are, but they're out there somewhere. You do that at picnics, right? Maybe this Mother's Day, they'll all be in the backyard. Where's your kids? They're out in the back with the other ones, you know. So you get the idea. But he isn't. And then you discover that. You go back and three Days later, you find him. Now, that is the worst three days of a parent's life. I can't imagine what that would have been like for them. That's why Mary says, why did you do this to us? Now, she knows who he is. She's got confirmation from other people. But a mother's heart is a mother's heart, whether it's (laughs) the Savior or not. My boy's missing, you know. Now, he's 12. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He's stuck in that gigantic city to them, Jerusalem. And it was a big city. And for three days. And so she says, why have you done this to us? And he simply said, you know, and she said, we've sought you anxiously, which means we weren't in prayer. We weren't walking around saying, God knows where he is. Settle down, Joseph. You know, no. Frantic, you know, running through the city, calling out his name. A name that like 80% of the kids were named Yeshua, you know, Joshua. That's what they would call Yeshua, Yeshua, yeah, um, you're not him, you're not him, you know. Oh my goodness, as a parent, as a dad, right? But as a mom, you'd be flipping tables over, you know. And he says, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? In other words, mom, I'm, I'm stepping out, I'm beginning to do things here. And not that Mary ever felt this way, but it's real important, I think we all understand that our kids aren't our trophies, They're their own people. They're out doing their own thing. It's not, I mean, it's a credit because we've raised them and they're doing great things and that's exciting and we set them on the right path, but they're doing great things. He's in the temple blowing these folks away. Much to do, obviously, with Mary whispering God's word in his ear and Joseph doing his part as well. We don't hear much about Joseph, but... And she kept this in her heart. You know what? He's not mine always. He's not mine to keep track of. He's starting his ministry already. I mean, he's already doing what God's purposed in his heart and what I've heard from other people and what I was told by the angels and the shepherds. It's all starting now. It's a little early. You know, I want him to stay little. Ever have that experience? Ever look at your kids and say, when did they get big? I don't want them to be so big. I look at JC's feet every time he's up here singing. It's a thing with me. I know it's kind of a weird thing, but JC's my son, and he's up here singing, and I watch his little toes. They're little toes to me. To him, he's a man. He's a dad. He's a husband. He's got his own life. And <clears throat> but I watch his little toes. He puts his toes in like this a little bit, and he gets up on this one, and he points this one. He's singing, and he's singing. I'm. That's what he did when he was a little kid, and I love that. And I'm like, when did he get? When did his shoes get so big? Now he's going to be real self-conscious about it. He's going to stand flat, 
all right, Dad, I'm like this. But boy, when did they get so big? But they're not our trophies. They're not our trophies, you know? Not that we think that. I don't think we do, but I think that was a moment for her. Here he goes, you know? Now, this, the, the next one, the fourth one, is John chapter 2. If you want to switch Gospels to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mary sees something else happening. Mary knows who he is. Mary knows that he was already showing the guys up in the temple with his wisdom and his knowledge about God. Mary knows all about that stuff. And now, I don't know how many years later, though, he still hasn't started his public ministry, you know? And you know, as a mother and as a father, you're like, come on, you can do this. And we push him, you know? We've talked about that as parents. We buy them the mini bike when they're three, you know? They can't even ride a bike yet. Yeah, he will, though. He will. Maybe the mini bike will motivate him, you know, kind of thing. Is it time for a 22 yet, honey? He's one and a half. He needs a 22. We've got to practice his shooting early, you know? No, you know? And you kind of see Mary here, who's been very patient, but she's at this wedding, in verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And I put that tone on it because I think that's what it sounded like. Because Jesus says to her this, and this is how we know what Mary's thinking, because it doesn't tell us what Mary's thinking. We don't know. Maybe she's just a very good hostess, and she just knew that she had a resource and she could take care of the problem, and so she goes to her son. I don't think so. Because Jesus said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus always has a knack of answering people's subconscious. My hour's not yet come, Mom. And his parents, don't you hate to hear that? I don't know, Mom, I don't want to do that yet. Yes, you do. You know, it's time. You know, and I don't think she did that. I don't want to say, I'm sure she's very respectful, but so was he. So was Jesus. But she says, they have no wine. They're out of wine. He says, woman, and that's a very tender word, the way it's written. In the, in the Greek, we, in the Hebrew also, but the way he said woman was not like woman. Not like that at all. Not disrespectful at all. It was more like when you look at your mom, you say, mom, you know, kind of thing. Woman, they both got to have a gleam in their eye. Because, I mean, these are the only two that know. These are the two that have a bond. These are the two. She's always watching and waiting for this son of hers to come on the stage. She's the one, you know. Brothers don't get it. They're making fun of Jesus. But mom knows. Mom's hopeful. Mom keeps her eye out. Mom is watching him. He's ready. I know he can do it. It's just a matter of time. Is today the day? There's an opportunity. And look what she says. The last recorded words of Jesus' mom. As he says, my hour has not yet come, which sounds like a no to me. I don't know about you, but she took it this way. It's a yes. Only Mary would know that, right? All the disciples are going, yeah, it's not his time yet. You know, this is whatever. And she says, whatever he says to, to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. It's going to happen. She knew. And you know what, guys? That's what we do. When our mom asks us to do something, we say, Mom, all right. That's our answer. That's the answer for the rest of your life. If you ever want to know what you're supposed to say to your mom, that's it. Mom, all right. And then you go do it, you know. 
Jesus is our example of that. And so he does it. He does it exactly the way it's supposed to be. And it finishes up with this as they bring out this water that's been turned to wine that nobody knows but the servants and his mom and the disciples and himself. Not a public miracle, just something that he did for one person in that room. Jesus does this miracle for one person. It's for his mom. Because his mom asked him to. And the, the, the guy who's in charge of the whole thing. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk than the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. In other words, Jesus made that water the absolute best, most amazing wine anybody's ever tasted before, and he did it for his mom. Because nobody else knows. Nobody else knows. But mom was ready for him to be the Messiah, and it wasn't time for him to be the Messiah. That's important. He's not ready to divulge that yet. It's not time. I'm, I've got to wait for my father to tell me when to do this. You know, And not that there's any need to teach any mothers here, but it is important to just let them come on the scene when they come on the scene. Give them some space. you know. Um, but obviously, if Mary had this moment with Jesus, we all have those moments with our kids. Um, get on with it already. You know, I want to see you fly. Now our next section is Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. If you want to switch Gospels with me again to Matthew, that's way to the left. It's the first Gospel. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 46. This is a more difficult moment. But it didn't have to be. And we don't know how she took this, but let's read it anyway. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now he's not disrespecting his mother. Our last section of scripture is Mary in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. So she was. She wasn't excluded from this statement. This is the important thing to get, I think, out of this passage. She was included in Jesus' ministry. She was included. See, a mother can take this one of two ways. What do you mean I don't have special privileges? I'm not outside of your ministry. Your ministry is for them. It's not for me. I'm your mom. There's something about watching JC's feet, but then also raising my hands in worship and receiving from him. Being brought into the presence of God by the gift that God has given him. That's a whole other thing. I'm not outside of his ministry. I'm not separate from Anna's ministry or Evangelines or Seth's or eventually Mariah and Bo's. I'm now the recipient of their ministry. It's an amazing thing to receive from your kids. This is the first time Mary gets this glimpse. His public ministry has begun. He's doing it. She's not excluded from his public ministry. She's included in that public ministry. She said as much in her magnificent, I trust in God my Savior. Her son will be her Savior for her sins. He will die on the cross for her sins. She's now the recipient of the blessing 
That's the reward. That's the fruit that any mother gets to participate in in here. Not that, oh, that was a great speech. No, I really got something out of that speech. I taught him to talk like that. No, no, no. That was amazing. He touched, he spoke with such passion, you know, kind of thing. Or, or she played with such amazing skill. I didn't give her that skill, but I got to participate. Anna was doing a recital over at the um, St. Gregory's. She did a recital over there. And Jenny's trying to record it <laughs> with her phone. And I'm recording it too. I'm live on Facebook. She's recording. And that's what parents do. We miss the moment for the sake of documentation. And I look over at Jenny's phone, and it's just like this. <laughs> She's just crying, going, you know, just crying. And I'm like, you know, get it together. No, I'm, I'm as bad. I'm like, a <laughs> you know, I do bursts, you know. Of, of We were the recipient of Anna's beautiful, amazing ability to play. All that hard work. That's what Jenny, I think, was crying the most on. She saw how Anna had poured for a year working on that piece or longer. Two years working on that piece. And we saw the pain and the difficulty and the struggle. But then we were sitting there and we were the recipients of that. And that's what Mary's experiencing. And no, I'm not saying you're not included in this group. Sit down and join us and hear the word of the Lord come from the Lord. You know, She was the recipient. Mary's the recipient. And as moms and dads, I, I can't throw us out of here, but it's not our day. You get to receive from your kids. What a great day that is. You know, what an amazing day. So, Mary becomes the beneficiary of her son's ministry. The final one is John chapter 19, verse 25. The last gospel. This is where the sword pierces Mary. Because although there were a lot of people that were encouraging her and who her son was and what he was going to do for the world, and there was the shepherds and there were angels and there were these two prophets at the temple, there were also more people that were opposed to him. And it comes to the conclusion here when he gets crucified. As he's being crucified and she's watched all this unfold, he's been beaten, her son's been beaten for doing nothing but loving people and staying true to his Father in heaven. Joseph is gone. We don't know where he is. We believe he died. Um, And this moment has come up where he's hanging on the cross, but she hasn't left him. She's there at the cross. Yes, all forsook him, but we don't know exactly what that means because here's Mary and John standing there at the foot of the cross. They may have forsaken him at his trial, but she's standing there with John at the foot of the cross, watching her son bleed, watching her son die, taking his last labored breaths. I can't imagine. None of us can, I don't think, to be there. And maybe some of you can. Maybe some of you have experienced that pain of losing a child before you. Um, you're sharing in the suffering, so understand that. Here's what it says in verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Then Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing by. He said to his mother, woman, same word as when the, at the wedding, woman, 
Behold your son. And she was pointing not to himself, but to John. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. (laughs) She not only had to witness her son's death, this is important, ladies. She got to experience her son's resurrection. I don't know where your sons and daughters are in this life. Maybe they haven't followed the Lord. Maybe they are away from God. And maybe you're watching a slow, painful death on this Mother's Day. I don't know. Because they're away from you and because they're not doing well. But you watch and you hope for that resurrection. You look for them to hit that bottom, to come into that tomb and to come out of that tomb. And that's what you pray for as a mother. Mary's going to witness that. Maybe your kids are doing great. And this may represent to you their salvation. They've come to know the Lord. They've accepted Christ, not just as a child who, because you got saved and because everybody's getting baptized, they decided to get baptized too and made the same claims. But maybe 10, 15 years after that, they've decided to commit their lives to Jesus and to his service and to his worship. And you get to see that resurrection you know, that you've been praying for. Mary got to experience that. Only a mother knows And a father knows what that's like to see your child go from walking away from God, and that's not what's happening here, but I'm trying to make a point, to coming back to God in a more powerful way. We have a great example, not only in some of the folks here in our own fellowship, but in Ruth Graham Bell, who watched Mr. Franklin Graham walk away from the Lord and pray him as a prodigal back. And he did come back, and boy, has he come back, or what? right? Amazing man of God. But that's the life of a mother. That's what she experiences. That's what she goes through. That's her burden and also her blessing at the same time. So ladies, happy Mother's Day. And I only taught this teaching to let you know we see it. God sees it. God's called you to it. What an amazing thing that he's called you to. And I'm so glad and so thankful that you've embraced it, that you've accepted it, that you've gone through the burden, the hard times, the struggles, but you've also seen hopefully the victories and received from your kids in some way, shape, or form. And so we thank you. Thank you so much for all you've done for them and for accepting God's ministry in your life. We're going to have communion now. We're going to take this time to thank God for what his son did for all of us, not only Mary, but for all of us as he died on the cross for our sins. As we take this little glass of juice and this little piece of bread, we do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. On the night that he was betrayed, he explained it to the disciples what was about to take place the next day. And he used what was on the table as an example, their Passover meal. He took the bread that they would normally eat in remembrance of the Passover where the angel of death passed over them in Egypt before they left. It says, as often as you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And he broke it. This is my broken body for you. So it's going to take place tomorrow, he was telling them. And when you have this Passover meal, when you eat this bread, remember that it was for you, that my body was broken for you, so that your body wouldn't have to be broken, so that you wouldn't have to taste death, but so that I will, so that you can have life. That same night, he took the cup that was at that same table, that Passover table, 
And he held it up. He says, this is the covenant, my blood, in the new covenant. Not the old covenant. This is a new covenant I give to you. My blood will be shed for you. As often as you drink this, remember that my blood was shed for you. God is not against us. Jesus is not against us. He's for us. And he died on the cross for us. In place of us, but also for us. Because he loves us. And so he says, I want you to do this as often. And we do this once a month. Other churches do it every Sunday. You could do it every day. I don't think you could do it enough, right? As long as you remember what it means. My Savior died for my sins. He loves me with an everlasting love. He knew this was the only way for me to spend forever with him. And he made the way for me because I couldn't make the way myself. And so he took my penalty that I earned. He earned my death penalty, or I earned my death penalty, and he took it from me and placed it upon himself. And all of my sins, past, present, and future, were nailed to that cross instead of mine, instead of my cross. So we'll spend some time here in, in thanksgiving for what he's done for us and remembering what he's done for us, remembering that we're going to heaven because of what he's done for us. And then we'll eat and drink together here as a, as a body of believers. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all you've done for us. Not just the cross, although that's the most important thing that, um, that you've ever done for us, but the, the way you've transformed our lives now that we've given you our lives, that we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior and we've been submitted to you and worship you. Thank you for changing us from the inside out and helping us to become loving become gracious and merciful, to become the mothers and the fathers that you've called us to be, to become the men and women you've called us to be, to help us to be the kids you've called us to be. And uh, we thank you for that, for what you've done and for what you're doing. So we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance of you. We give you all the glory and all the honor you deserve on this Mother's Day and any other day. Thank you for who you are, what you've done by expressing your love this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's eat. Better get it out of the way before you guys start cracking. Ready? Lord, like these broken cups, we pray that we would be broken vessels of yours, filled with you, and that when people bump into us or look at us, they'd see you spilling out of us, God. Pray your grace and mercy would shine and flow. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be ready for every ministry opportunity you have for us this week to open our mouths and to share your love with those around us and to be what you need us to be for those who need us in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.